Welcome aboard Imagination Skyway, your grand podcast tour of the magic. I'm your host, Matthew Krall, and in today's episode, we are going to discuss solo trips to Walt Disney World. It's perhaps one of the most common questions I receive on social media. Should I take a trip to Walt Disney World by myself? And if I do, what should I keep in mind? There are quite a number of things that make a trip to any Disney park a little bit different when we're traveling by ourselves. And so I wanted to put an episode together to discuss some of the advice that I would offer to anyone who is considering taking a trip to Disney by themselves. Some of the reasons why you should consider taking a trip if it's perhaps something you haven't done before and some of the other recommendations and suggestions that I can offer to help make a trip to Disney by yourself a little bit more enjoyable. At the end of the show, we'll return to Imagination Central, where I'll share some ways in which you can stay connected with Imagination Skyway, how you can help to share this show with others and discuss this topic with other members of our listener community, and how you can help to support and inspire the future of this show. Please remain seated, keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times, and enjoy your Grand Circle Tour aboard Imagination Skyway. So since I started the show, one of the most common questions that people have asked me to discuss on the podcast is about solo trips to Disney. We often find ourselves in a lot of different instances, either in the position of wanting to go to Disney when nobody else wants to go to Disney, or we have extra time on our hands and want to take an extra trip by ourselves, or it's happened to me before. I've had to go to Orlando for work and decided to extend my trip to spend a little bit of extra time and enjoy the magic in Walt Disney World. We can have conversations about solo trips to many different destinations, and some of the destinations will have some overlaps. But today we're going to co- focus the conversation a little bit more on the vacation destination that is Walt Disney World and talk about some of the reasons why you should consider taking a solo trip if you're on the fence and if perhaps that's your only option to go to Disney when you're thinking of going and some of the suggestions that we have to make a solo trip more enjoyable. And I say we because it's not just me having this conversation, but I also want to welcome and introduce a first-time guest on this podcast who is Stephen from Dintroverts on Instagram. So welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I love the podcast. Thank you so much. And I love your Instagram page. I think I discovered it just about five, six months ago. Somebody shared a post that you had. And as a fellow introvert, it immediately resonated with me. And you talk about sometimes some of the hidden spots around Disney property that you like to go to, to just sort of unwind and get away from the crowds. And on one hand, I'm like, Stephen, stop sharing the secrets. And on the other hand, I'm <laughs> also saying I absolutely resonate with all of this. So I, I really do love your page. Um, what inspired you to start this page? Because I'm, I'm a little bit curious because we haven't had the chance to talk really outside of Instagram too much. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I, I'm a self-proclaimed introvert, as I'm calling it, or introvert as well. And so, yeah, I've just, I love the parks, but 
but certain aspects of them, as you would imagine, noisy theme parks are, are hard to, to deal with sometimes as an introvert. So I really wanted to focus on how can we enjoy the parks a little bit more, find find those quiet spots if we need a little, you know, recharge here and there. But it's kind of a, I don't know, dual purpose. One way you can learn about introversion, about yourself, about loved ones that might be introverts, but then also, you know, we can learn about how to enjoy the parks a bit, a bit more. Um, so that's more or less what what it's all about. That certainly is. And you do, like I said, a really great job. You have some excellent advice that you offer on there. And more than that, it's just an enjoyable place to connect with uh, fellow introverts um, or introverts and, and learn a little bit more. Um, so I, I have to run through because you are a first time guest on the podcast. Some of my rapid fire questions. I adapt these sometimes a little bit depending on the episode. So this is a slightly adapted version of my rapid fire questions, but I always start with the same question and you're going to get the same one here, which is what is your favorite Disney park? Ooh, that's a good one. I hate to play favorites, but <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's probably going to be Epcot. Um, I always revolve around Epcot. It seems like that's the one I visit the most, and that's the one I enjoy the most. I, I think a big part of it is World Showcase. Uh, I just love all the different countries represented, represented, and um, yeah, I just I, I love the the atmosphere. It's just a very, it's a beautiful park, but also you have you know the typical rides and attractions um, to experience too. But yeah, Epcot's probably at the top. Probably the most common answer, and it is certainly, uh, I, I say Animal Kingdom to be a little bit different because um, of the detail of Animal Kingdom and the combination of the attractions and the theme and the, the food and um, the storytelling that's present at Animal Kingdom, the walking trails that you can experience that usually don't have, especially depending on the time of day, that many people there. So great little people will get to that. Uh, mm -hmm. spot to just unwind and, and get away from the crowds. But um, Epcot was by far and is by far the park I have visited the most and continue to visit the most because it is a home. If, if Walt Disney World's a home away from home for me, Epcot is my home within the home away from home. <laughs> um, right. It's the place I feel most at home. It's it's just the, the combination of my nostalgia from being a child going to Disney um, and all the things you mentioned, the beauty of the park, the, obviously the food there is incredible. The different festivals that are offered throughout the year, um, got a little bit of everything, a little bit of Disney history, a little bit of ties to Walt, um, and then just a lot to offer so much, so much diversity to offer in that park, both culturally and from an attraction perspective. Um, for sure. I know you said you don't really like picking favorites, so this is maybe going a little bit deeper now beyond the parks. Do you have a favorite attraction at Disney? Ooh, uh, well, so, okay, I'm going to say a very common one probably, but uh, I will say Pirates of the Caribbean, but only the Disneyland version. So I have Good to answer. add that clarification. I'm sure, you, have you experienced Pirates at both Disneyland oh, and I Magic have. Kingdom? Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and it's... <laughs> It's one of the reasons I tell people to go to Disneyland if they haven't is to do Pirates of the Caribbean because you will not be able to look at Magic Kingdoms the same way again. Um, the uh, don't get me wrong, I still love, I adore, I will still wait forty minutes for you know forty five minutes for Pirates mm -hmm. of the Caribbean in Walt Disney World, especially because I I love the queue in Magic Kingdom. Um, like that, sure. I think has Disneyland beat, but just the length of the attraction and the 
the the the set design in Disneyland. I don't think people mm -hmm. fully grasp. It's hard to tell in video, but it's there's something about the the layout and the set design of Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean that feels so classic. It's so and different. There's like if you really look at it from a from a basic perspective, it's the same, especially when you get to the town sequence. But then there's certain details and certain colors choices that are made that you when you geek out about the Imagineering like I do, that you realize that these are two different attractions um, that just share the same name and a very similar story. Um, and oh, who doesn't yeah. love a good bonus drop on the Disneyland version too, that we don't get. Yes, Walt Disney exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how, how just that extra drop adds to it, the way it just drops you into the, into the story. But yeah, it's such a, it's a nostalgic ride, but I just love all the details, the smells, the the music, it's just it's the it's the whole package yeah for sure two more questions for you this one is going to be more specific and i've never asked this question before in this way if you were to do a solo trip to disney what would be your preferred resort to stay at well that there's so many options too so it's and let's assume <laughs> budget's not an option or budget's not sorry okay. budget's not a not a restraint like you can you know you, you have any money to play with for uh, for a couple of days there we go. Okay, I like that better. All right. Uh, let's see. I would probably stay at, I'm going to go with a boardwalk. Um, and simply because of the ease of access to the parks. Um, if you're in that area, you can literally walk to Epcot or Hollywood Studios. I think that's you know super convenient. The walks are, are really quite scenic. And when I'm solo, I don't really want to deal with the transportation. Um, so it just transportation kind of adds that extra layer of complexity of you know finding and then returning to a bus stop and and all of that. Um, so so yeah, I, I enjoy the how close uh, that boardwalk area is, uh, especially to you know my favorite park at Epcot. But um, I'd have to yeah have to pick a boardwalk or at least a, a resort on the boardwalk area. I'm right across Crescent Lake from you. I was going to pick Yacht Club for this one. Um, uh, there we go. So uh, very, very similar reasons. Um, and maybe we'll, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about resorts in this episode too, but uh, Yacht Club would be my choice. All right. One more question. This one is getting away from the parks um, and maybe more challenging, maybe less challenging. We'll see. Uh, so it has to do with Disney movies. Do you have a favorite Disney movie? Ooh, let's see. If we're going to go classic... I would have to go with Pinocchio, uh, the original animated uh, Pinocchio. Uh, I just, you know, I remember being so fascinated that they were inside of a whale as a kid. Um, and then I was also really scared as a kid when they started turning into to donkeys. So uh, the movie has the movie has it all. Um, and so I just have always gravitated toward uh, Pinocchio even now as as an adult. It's great. And I've not heard that answer yet on the show. So I always love a different answer. And that's that's fantastic. And another reason to go to Disneyland, you have Pinocchio's Daring Journey um, over in Fantasyland. So yeah, um, that's true. I've, I've been I apologize to my listeners. I know I've been pushing Disneyland so hard this year, but it's just because so I know so many of you haven't been and you absolutely must make the trip, even if it is a solo trip. We'll have to maybe do a uh, Disneyland solo trip episode at some point to help make the case for that. Um, all right, so let's let's get right into the subject here. Uh, solo trips are really interesting because 
and again, I get this question a lot. Like, is it really worth going by myself to Disney, especially if you're used to going with family and friends? I remember the first time I was faced with this dilemma as well, trying to decide, is it worth me going to Disney by myself and not bringing friends and family? And how weird is that going to be? Um, but it also came after my experience on the Disney college program. And I was living down there by myself. Of course, I made friends. We went to the parks together, but I had already adjusted to being in Walt Disney World by myself in some capacity. So it was a little bit easier. But in the past, I know you're, you, you know, you, you live in Orlando, so it's a little bit easier for you to get to the parks these days. But in the past, did you ever um, get the opportunity to take any solo trips to Disney? Yeah, so my first, kind of like you, actually, my first solo trips were on the college program um, because I, you know, I, I worked there and had access to the parks like you do. But um, oftentimes my roommates and people I knew, they they didn't necessarily always want to go to the park. And I, I did. So I was the Disney nerd. So I um, would oftentimes just go to the park solo, you know, because I wanted to to take advantage of that and, and really see everything that there was to see. So uh, my first, yeah, first solo trips were on the college program. Yeah, it's, uh, we would have definitely been friends going to the parks together. I had a very similar situation of of friends of mine wanting to go other places. And well, I'm here to be at Disney. Um, I did, I did branch <laughs> out and go other places too, but more often than not, I was in the parks. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we'll talk about some of the reasons why you should consider doing this, of course, and, and some of the benefits of it. But um, yeah, I've taken in, in the past, I've, I've taken a, a few solo trips also with regards to the podcasts. Um, so I, I took one. So I took my first solo trips after the Disney College program were when I was a seasonal cast member back when it was a little bit easier to be a seasonal cast member. I think probably the same for you when you were on the college program, Stephen, it was work 40 hours a year and that was it so pretty much i would go down and work um you know once or twice a year um for a few days of work and then build a vacation around that and then kept all my perks and benefits of being a cast member um which was really wonderful but you know there were days that i would or times a year that i would just fly down and this was back in 2008 2009 so i'd find like a a $49 JetBlue fare one way um, or like, you know, less than a hundred bucks round trip to get to Orlando, use my cast member discount and stay at all-star sports or all-star music, um, you know, for $50 a night for a few nights. And you're looking at with the free park admission that comes with being a cast member. Um, you know, it was kind of like a, a $200 trip to go to Disney, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe 400 with when you include uh, food and any other activities that I wanted to enjoy. But that was sort of my next opportunity to do that was as a seasonal cast member. And now I haven't taken as many trips by myself for enjoyment for vacation, but there are times that I'm going to Walt Disney World or to Disneyland by myself to attend an event or to go to Des you know, Destination D23 in Orlando or to D23 Expo in Anaheim and take that, that plane ride by myself, stay in the hotel room by myself, in many cases go to the parks by myself. And at least in my case, I am able to distract myself from some of the loneliness that might come with that by making this really a work experience. And I've taken a lot of work trips in my life as part of, you know, in my corporate life, going to different places around the country and being by myself without my friends and family, just having my my colleagues there with me. But again, kind of like 
going back to my own room at the end of the day, not having my family there. Um, but still, there are ways to make this really enjoyable. Um, and I do think that in all those cases, especially with the right mindset, I've been able to have a great time whenever I've had those solo trips. Um, so when you think about the the mindset shift that comes with going by yourself to Disney, what advice would you offer to someone listening that might help them to make that adjustment and plan for a solo trip as opposed to a group trip to Disney? Right. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a different mindset. Um, and my my experiences, of course, they, they come from being more of an introvert who's who's also fairly shy and anxious. So I've got, I call it the trifecta. I've got the introversion being shy and anxious. So I don't know how I function, but I do. But uh, But when you think about you know, solo trips, you might think it's perfect for an introvert because they can be by themselves and avoid crowds. But I, I really found that the opposite was true at the beginning because, you know, as an introvert doing a solo trip, it's very difficult. Everything, Everything's now on me to figure out. You know, you don't have that support of a small group or a significant other who would, you know, normally act as kind of that buffer where they're normally the one to talk to cast members. You know, when I get up to the boarding area for a ride, for example, I don't I don't typically tell the cast member how large my party is because I let someone else go in front of me. You know, that's just how I end up doing it. Um, they're they're more or less leading the way and I I get to tag along. So I tend to to do that as we're walking around the parks as well. So uh, you know, if we hit a bottleneck of people, my spouse is usually leading the way and breaking through the crowd so I don't have to. So little things like that are they're they're left up to you as a solo traveler. You know, you you don't really think about that, but those are at least for me as an introvert, those are the things that um you have to figure out when you're you're going to be there all by yourself. So yeah, and there's also a little bit of freedom that comes with that too. So there's definitely some areas where you have to especially if you're introverted like us kind of step up to to your point and and uh do a little bit more but also you know you have a lot more flexibility and freedom at the same time which is the the positive side of this as well so um a lot of times if you are with a group you whether it's just one person your your spouse a friend um you know, you're you're making group decisions. So it's not just what you want to do, but also what that other person wants to do. Um, and if you're the larger the party, the more complicated this gets. And I've done trips with 12 to literally at times I, I've done 20 person park days. And it you get to this point of, you know, not being able to make any decisions because no one's going to be happy because, you know, and so you sort of break off into diff different subgroups and do whatever everybody wants to do individually but as a solo um solo traveler you really get the opportunity to do anything you want to do um within the boundaries of, of what you're able to do but um you know that's the first time that i think it kind of set in for me is like you know what i just want to walk over here and get a picture of this yeah. uh, it would be awkward to think about doing that with other family members like no let's i know we're at thunder mountain right now but i i kind of want to walk over to tomorrowland just to get a couple of great shots of tron light cycle run while we're here um you know i try to in my mind on a group trip do that another time um when i know we're going to be over there but uh like now i totally have the flexibility to go wherever you want to dine anywhere you want 
Um, really, when it comes to the hotel too, stay wherever you want. It's all within your decision making. And in a other way, there you get the chance to really soak in the environment more than you would any other time. Part of the reason we go to Disney, why we love going to Disney is for the friends and family and the memories that we build together. But we also, at times, because of that, you know, miss out on the the placemaking that the Imagineers create for us. Or the, of course, we know the familiar smells, the ones that really hit us on the attractions. But sometimes it's just the simple smell of walking down the boardwalk that you never really paid attention to before. Um, or certain sounds or, or sights that you hadn't seen before because now you're fully present and engaged in the environment that Disney creates for us with no, no other distractions um, other than the other people around us. So lots of great reasons to, to do that. Um, in terms of like benefits, can you think of any other benefits or reasons why someone should consider taking a solo trip to Disney? Yeah. I mean, like you said, if, if I want to go stare at all the signs in Africa and animal kingdom for a half hour, I will. Um, so that's, to me, that's, that's a big perk because, and it's something I've done and, and it's glorious, but, um, but yeah, I just, I love that you can decide, you know, how early you want to arrive and how late you want to stay. Um, you can decide when you want to break or, or not. Um, and, you know, you can experience whatever rides or attractions you like or, or don't like. Um, and uh, I know, Typically, when I'm with my spouse, we, we don't usually stop and enjoy parades or the streetmosphere performers, but I can easily do that when, when I'm solo. Um, I can just do those things that I normally don't get to do with a group. Um, and, you know, I can go at my own pace. Um, I know if, so it's typically for me at least, I'm, I like to have a leisurely pace in the parks, but when I'm with a group, typically I'm having to catch up and, and walk faster. So, I can go at my own pace, uh, take in the sights and, and stop wherever I want. Um, and like you said, there's just so many, so many details and things at Disney parks that you can take in and, and notice, or, you know, even spotting hidden Mickey's that you normally wouldn't take the time to see. So, um, yeah, it just definitely feels more of a relaxed, relaxed experience in a way. I feel like, I don't know, I kind of daydream a bit more as a solo traveler. I can just take breaks and sit on a bench and, and really take it all in that way. So, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, when it comes to the obstacles, like there's, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about the the obstacles, uh, especially facing as an introvert when it comes to going to Disney by ourselves. Um, you know, one of the obstacles that I've always had to face was, and I think that this is the most common thing I hear from people who ask if it's worth taking this trip is the idea of loneliness um and you know you're in you're in a vacation destination where people are traveling with their friends and family and so you are looking around you and you're seeing families gather laugh together talk together going to out to eat by yourself i mean you're literally sitting and surrounded by families couples groups and it has struck me in the past where I'll be on the vacation and say, I really miss my family. Like I, I, I wish my family were here. Like it's, it's great. I'm so happy to be here, but I wish my family was here with me right now. Um, how have you in the past sort of grappled with that? And, um, you know, it, I don't think that feeling ever really, to be honest, completely vanishes 
when you're at Disney by yourself. Um, maybe it does for some people. Never really does for me. <laughs> but um, you know, what are some of the ways that you grapple with that loneliness if you do take right. a solo trip? Yeah, it can. It can be lonely for sure. I mean, you're you're still creating memories with the parks, but you know, they're not shared memories with with loved ones. And and I'm I'm a very nostalgic person. So I'm always reminiscing about past trips I went on with friends and family. So it's it's nice to have that connection. But so you know, you know, you might miss out on that connection. But um, you know, one thing that I can I can do is is share on social media. Um, because in a way, you know, you're still on your trip, but you're sharing it in real time as you're going. And so, you know, you feel connected at least to your social media circle, which of course is probably filled with friends or loved ones. And so um, for me, it's it's just kind of a way to, you know, still share it and still feel like I'm connected to others back home, but then, you know, still enjoy myself. And, and it kind of gives you that, I don't know, feeling of I can not really hide behind my phone, but I can at least, you know, still feel like I'm part of a group, even though I'm I'm not actually, you know, with anybody, but so that's one thing that I've done is just embrace, embrace the social media aspect of it. Yeah. That's a real benefit of the world we live in today. It's a, it, you know, the fact that we can actually instantly connect with our friends and family is such a great thing. So to your point, simple as posting on social media about your trip can spark conversations, DM conversations with your um, with your friends on social media. It, same thing with I'll send text updates to my family, just like a quick little photo of me. Um, you know, maybe one that I had a cast member take of me in front of the castle, or you know, another spot or just a selfie I took around the parks, um, or sending a video or something that was new or unique. Um, and then even just a simple phone call. So you know, sort of taking time out while I'm dining by myself or if I'm just back at the room and not quite ready for, you know, to go to sleep yet, but, but up and not really having anything else that I want to do or can do, um, you know, I'll just call my family. Um, so, you know, back in the day it was, it was calling my parents and, and, or my friends. And now it's calling my wife and talking to her, um, <laughs> my daughter catching up with them on FaceTime. Um, if I am at like D23 expo and they're not with me, um, so that, really helps to sort of fuel you up if you are getting lonely for that next conversation. And if you really are feeling lonely in between those conversations, having a scheduled time, just even texting to say like, Hey, I'm going to call you or like, can you, can I chat with you around, you know, whatever time you decide, then at least, you know, I have something to look forward to and it can distract you in the meantime to think about other things than enjoying yourself. Um, so that's, that's really, to be honest, the only major obstacle that comes with a solo trip, everything else, there's a lot of benefits. Um, the idea of being able to do whatever you want in the moment, the fact that you don't have to decide whether a single rider line is worth it for your group or not, because you are a single rider. So you're going to have the chance to ride any single rider attraction. Um, and even for attractions that don't have a single rider line, I mean, how often do they say, go through cast members, call back in the line, you know, like we have a party of one, do I have a party of one? And you might be 30 people back, but I'm a party of one and you're the first party of one in that group. And so you just skip 30 people um, to go ahead and fill in a spot on the attraction. Um, so you get that advantage. Of course, there's also the dining advantage, um, which we'll, maybe we'll, we'll talk about dining a little bit. Um, but, uh, 
you know, that's that's definitely another advantage that comes with this. And the fact that when you decide on where to stay, um, you know, oftentimes if you're traveling with a family of four, especially if you've got older kids, like those value resorts might be enough. And they certainly can be, you know, you, you definitely, they, they can accommodate four adults. A lot of them sometimes can accommodate five adults, but they can be small, you know, accommodations when you really think about it um, to, to have a family of four, you know, all sharing the same space, sharing the same bathroom. Um, and, uh, you know, as a, regardless of whether that's, that's more than enough space or not for your group of four, um, it's certainly enough for a party of one. Um, and even the deluxe resorts, you know, those tower studios at Disney's Riviera Resort um, are really meant for just two adults. So as a so as a family of four or five, like you really you're not able to stay in those tower studios unless you get two or three of them um, at Riviera. You have to kind of upgrade to the deluxe studio or the one bedroom villas. But as a solo traveler, you can stay in a deluxe resort in more of the standard rooms um, and even including those tower studios, which are less than the deluxe studios and above. Get the advantage of staying in a, a deluxe resort, um, having still plenty of space for yourself, more than enough space, um, and not spending as much as you would um, per square footage, let's say, of, of space that you have with your family. Um, so anyway, so that that's sort of another advantage that comes with that. But let's let's talk about a, a few specific things that um, maybe people have thought about, people haven't thought about. Um, one of them I kind of teased out in the beginning by asking you your favorite place to stay on a solo trip. And you said boardwalk. Um, what are, in your opinion, like some of the best resorts? So not to pick just one, but let's say a few, some of the best resorts to stay on a solo trip. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Boardwalk areas is super convenient. Um, the other ones I always think of for, for solo travelers would be anything on the monorail, the magic kingdom area resorts. Um, you know, it's, it's just so easy to hop on, hop on the monorail and, and get around, or even, you know, even walk to Magic Kingdom. Um, and, and once again, back to the whole transportation thing, if you can just eliminate, you know, complexity of of transportation or waiting a long time for a bus, you know, depending on some resorts, uh, occasionally you'll hear about, you know, buses are 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 backed up or they don't come as often as as you would like. And and I've had great luck with the monorail you know, and, 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 um, they're like clockwork and, and getting on my feet too, if I need to, but, but anything revolving around boardwalk or magic kingdom, um, those resorts I think are, are perfect for solo travelers. Um, on the kind of the flip side though, I also, I would say animal kingdom lodge. If, if you want to just kind of be away from it all, I feel like the lodge is, is such a great place, um, to just relax and, and get away from, from the hustle and bustle, um, so if you're, if you're doing a solo trip, but you're not, you know, you're not hitting every single park, you just kind of want to maybe hit one park and, and kind of relax the resort for, for the rest of your trip. I think Animal Kingdom Lodges is, is another good choice. That's another, yeah, it, it's definitely another good choice. There's, if you are looking at the value resorts, I would, I would suggest Pop Century for the transportation options there as well you have the disney skyliner that makes things very easy and if they're not operating in a peak capacity with a if you're not in the morning or the evening rush you can sometimes even get a um a gondola to yourself so you have the sort of the quiet and the convenience and the comfort of 
you know, free Disney transportation, but your own dedicated little gondola um, in the sky to go on your journey. Um, so that's, you know, staying on the Skyliner route. If you're, you know, Value Resort, Pop Century, um, Moderate Resort, Caribbean Beach, Deluxe Resort, you're looking at Riviera Resort or Boardwalk um, or Beach Club, theoretically Yacht Club, Swan and Dolphin too. Um, you can Swan Reserve. So you can, uh, you can choose any one of those places. But I, I, for the reasons you mentioned earlier, Stephen, love to pick resorts that are walking distance to at least one park. So that's why I love the Crescent Lake area, the Boardwalk, Yacht Club, Beach Club, um, Swan and Dolphin, and Swan Reserve, because you can walk to Epcot and Hollywood Studios. And as a solo traveler or as a family, it just is very convenient to be able to do that. Magic Kingdom, walking distance from Contemporary Resort or Grand Floridian. Grand Floridian is deceiving, though. It is 1.2 miles because I've clocked it before. So um, you see Magic Kingdom, you're like, oh, that's so close. And 20 minutes later, you're still walking to Magic Kingdom. Um, it's uh, it is it is 1.2 miles, uh, just about depending on where at the resort you're coming from. And uh, there's um, not too many others, although you know, staying if you want to just take like a quick little boat ride. Um, you can also stay at you know Polynesian, technically short of the construction of the new tower at Polynesian, you could also walk from Polynesian to Magic Kingdom, which would be, uh, you know, add another half a mile to your journey to Magic Kingdom from there. Um, but lots of great places to stay. And I'll I'll add, because you mentioned the transportation um, being a barrier to introverts, which I, I definitely agree. But obviously, there are probably people who are listening who are extroverts too, who are like, well, hey, what about me? I'm an extrovert. Like, should I take a solo trip or should I not? Um, and I have to say that because I've I've played this card too. And while I am an introvert, there are times that I kind of branch out a little bit uh, into the extrovert side of things. And uh, there is no easier place to strike up a conversation with a random person than Disney. Um, this extends to waiting in line. Um, I have made friends in lines at attractions at Disney just from simply striking up a conversation and more often than not it's because i hear a disney fan talking about some nerdy facts about the attraction <laughs> and i have to chime in um, and uh and be a part of that discussion um same thing on the buses just like you can totally zone out and you know if you're an introvert i like to stand um because you are you can sort of just like be get a little bit more space to yourself if it's not a packed bus um especially if it's not a long bus ride, but even just, you know, whether you're sitting or standing, you can easily strike up a conversation to someone next to you. And let's say you prefer not to meet random guests, but you want to talk to a cast member, take a minivan um, to your destination if you can swing it, because most times I take a minivan, I am talking to that cast member the entire journey, um, especially because I am a former cast member. I want to know all about their cast member history, what brought them to minivan service, um, you know, where else they worked before that, what, how they started at Disney. Um, it's friendly, friendly conversations. So, you know, when you're talking to a minivan driver that you're going to have a friendly, positive conversation. Um, and then even when it comes to dining, like you might be able to, you might be sitting at a table by yourself, but you can easily strike a conversation with your server, um, with other families around you. If, if, they've sort of like opened up their bubble to looking around and, and talking to other people, or you could just even ask like, Oh, that dish looks really good. What did you order over there? Uh, there's like, there's so many ways to strike up conversation at Disney with complete strangers. 
And coming from someone who lives in New York where this is not a thing, it is always very weird, but also very refreshing for me to go to a place and just say hello to somebody and smile and not be met with a what do you want for me <laughs> type of look. <laughs> um, right. Which I definitely give back in New York too. If someone says hello to me in New York, it's not really the New York culture. Like, what do you want? <laughs> what are you trying to get from me? Um, so it's... Uh, it's so easy as an extrovert, I'll add, as a solo traveler. Um, you can ease so easily make friends, have conversations with random people all day long at Disney. Very, very easy to do. Um, so I just wanted to add that in because I felt like coming from two introverts, we're leaving out the extrovert side of the equation too. Um, so much to enjoy as an extrovert on a solo trip. Um, For sure. And I'll just yeah. add too. Uh, cast members when they see that you're solo for some reason they just they engage more with you i've noticed and so you mm -hmm. end up having just naturally more conversations with cast members and and you get more in a way more disney guest service i think as a solo traveler so that's a bonus too is is just getting to interact more with with cast members so i love that aspect too i can attest to this as well i i remember my last morning at uh destination d23 i had a one reservation you know a party of one at grand florian cafe and the the cast member that was serving me was just like treating me like a vip um like you know was so attentive came over to me every few minutes just asking how everything was going just anything else i needed just so above and beyond um and perhaps that was her default state with every table, but that was certainly my experience um, as a as a solo diner that day, and it extends to every other every other aspect. I, even I had a, a <clears throat> like a, a room issue, um, which comes up now and again, um, very rarely. But I did have a room issue when I checked in, um, and the staff was so accommodating to me, like practically showed me the floor plan and said, like, which of these rooms do you want? um from the from the map um so i'm like yeah let this one's this one looks good um but like it's it, to your point like they really cast members at the parks and at the resorts and at the the restaurants just really go above and beyond um when you're a solo traveler to take the time to connect with you um and make you feel like a part of the disney conversation um which is really great for sure um so a few specific things when it comes to the parks and dining um, and then perhaps some like wrap up thoughts, because this is not an entirely like it's not a lengthy conversation when it comes to solo trips. But, um, you know, I did want to cover at least some of our bases was going to the parks by yourself, because uh, this is something where, like I said, you're going to be waiting in line by yourself. You're going to be whether it's a single rider line or standby or, or Genie Plus using the lightning lane, you're going to be waiting in line by yourself. You're going to be rioting attractions, technically not by yourself, but with strangers. Um, you're going to be dining at quick service or picking up snacks by yourself. Like there's so many things you're doing alone. So when it comes to waiting in line and riding attractions by yourself, do you have any specific advice for solo travelers? Well, you know, definitely single rider is, is the way to go just because the line itself will be shorter so there's less time of awkwardly standing next to to others and you're not standing next to groups necessarily you're standing next to other single uh solo travelers possibly so uh definitely take advantage of single rider um but otherwise if it's just a regular standby um you know this is your chance 
to to check out the cues because as we know all the cues are very you know intricate most of them have a lot of details that you just walk by and, and maybe don't notice because you're talking to a family or friends that you're standing in line with so so yeah take in the cue and and really see the details that you normally would miss um and yeah i think that would kill the time and and you won't even realize that you've you've you know waited so long so those are a couple of things i would do as single writer uh, but then also just enjoy the queue. Yeah, I agree. There's a few types of attractions that I found are better suited for solo travelers. The ones with single rider line for sure, because they're going to, you know, by default, put you into a certain row. Um, another thing I don't like about that is you can't choose your own row. And sometimes I want to choose the front row on a coaster or, you know, so maybe I'll wait and stand by just to be able to ask for the front row. And you do another single rider a favor um, who maybe also wants the front. But uh large attractions or large capacity attractions are also really great for solo travelers. So a really great example is Soren. Um, Soren, you are literally assigned a seat number. So you don't have to worry about anything else. Like you're 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 assigned a specific position. Same thing with flight of passage. You're assigned a specific seat in a specific row um, that is yours. So it's your seat to take. Um, Omni movers are also great. There's actually a lot of solo travelers or solo riders on Omni movers. Cause if you ever have like an odd number of guests, um, like a family of five, um, sometimes it's two and two and one. Um, so, and it's very easy to blend in on an Omni mover cause it's just, it's continuously moving even spaceship earth where there are groups of four, you just have a row to yourself and you're usually with another party of two behind you. Um, so Omni movers are great. Sometimes I will say I've had, some awkward moments with solo riders, but as solo travelers, but this most often happens in the single rider line for attractions like test track, let's say, where you have a family of five who's not expecting to have be, be sitting with a random person. Um, and so like the back row thinking it's just the two of them will take the left and the right seat and leave the middle one empty. And then I have to say, Oh no, I'm with you. Can you move over so I can <laughs> sit down and not have to jump over you? Um, even on roller coasters sometimes for like if it's a group of three and they get two rows they might the person sitting by themselves might not realize they're going to be sitting with somebody else next to them on just about every attraction no matter what the coaster is um the easiest way to overcome that is if you get the chance to like quickly while you're waiting for that next vehicle to to enter the station sort of introduce yourself um i also like i did this a lot when I was a cast member back in my cast member days, if I just went to the parks by myself, um, I would just, a very simple question, like, like, Hey, is this your first time riding test track? Like, yeah. Like, Oh, that's awesome. Like I've done this a number of times, excited to ride with you guys today. Like, boom, done easy. We're, you know, we're, we've now solidified the fact that I'm riding with you. So please leave me a seat. And I've let you know that I am a friendly person and that you're going to enjoy riding test track with me. Um, I don't, I'll even say like, I know exactly where the camera is. Like, do you want me to do something funny? Do you want me to join the group photo? Do you want to do something different? Um, and sometimes I'll just like photo bomb or like they have no idea where the camera is and I do. Um, and so I'll just make like a really magical, funny moment for them with some sort of crazy, crazy face. And then everybody else is just like freaking out about riding the attraction, um, not knowing where the photo is. So there's ways to sort of like break that awkwardness that might come with 
that single rider experience with a larger group for an attraction like um, Test Track, where it really is designed for parties of six. Um, and so if you're the sixth person in a group of five, um, maybe not as bad as if you're one of the two um, solo riders, single riders with a party of four. But um, still, if, in that case, I'll just introduce myself to the, the people in my row um, or something. Just to break the ice again, that that question of have you been on this ride before um, is a very easy way to get people to like talk to you, because if they have, they're very excited to talk to you about it because obviously they loved it so much they're back. And if they haven't, then you get to tell them what they get to look forward to in the attraction ahead. And they're probably nervous about riding it for the first time. So it's literally the easiest icebreaker question on a ride. Have you been on this attraction before? Um, and you will always be met with an answer one way or another from an excited person ready to do it again or a nervous person who has never done it before and has no idea what to expect. So, Well, that's smart. I'm going to have to try that out. I've never done that. So it'll always work. It, sometimes you do get like a weird group, but like more yeah. often than not, because again, it's just like any other family in Disney. They're ready to talk to you. Um, you know, even if we're just it's it's a small little you know, icebreaker question and people are usually happy to to chime in. For sure. Yeah. And I've I've noticed you can just kind of read, read the group, read the person, and and you can get the impression of yes, they definitely want to be talkative and and friendly, or or no, they're just they're doing their own thing. So um and more times than not, you know, you you meet friendly, friendly people at the park. So they're usually willing to strike up a conversation. You do. And because it is an international destination, sometimes you get a family who does not speak English. Um, and so there are times there I've been in line with someone and I don't know what language they're speaking, um, but I don't speak it. And so I just sort of blend in and that's about all you can do. Um, but those are times where, you know, the test track example, um, Disneyland, Radiator Springs, Radiator Springs, same exact thing. Like, I'll just use that time to just literally look around the attraction, see things I haven't noticed before, be kind of the weird guy who's just like looking to the left and to the right and all kinds of random spots around the ride. Um, but that's where I get my fun imagineering facts from is by, uh, you know, we'll call that a research research ride through the attraction. <laughs> um, let's talk about dining because I definitely want to talk about dining as well. There's quick service dining and table service dining, and I've done both by myself. Um I feel like quick service dining is probably the easiest to cover. Um, if you are an introvert, just about any place is fine for you. Um, in fact, best advice I can offer, which I offer for any family anyway, is doing the mobile order. Just order it ahead. Go pick up your food. Find a table. You can pick any table you want. Just try not to pick that that large one designed for the group of eight because um, you're going to get other people sitting with you. Um or just you know pick a uh, you know pick obviously one of the the smaller tables and you'll probably find a spot if you're just a party of one. Um, but then as an extrovert, there are great places that you can go to to get um, you know to connect with other people with quick service dining. Um, one of my favorites is as I've mentioned too many, too many times on the podcast, Satuli Canteen. But Satuli Canteen has community tables. I mean, there are other places that more often than not, you can find like a large table, which can be for one large group or could be for a couple of smaller groups. And so if you can, if you see at times that there's a large table with a small party, um, sometimes they're holding the table for others. Sometimes they're not. So I'll sometimes just ask like, Hey, 
There's no other seat available here is where if I take this seat. And if yes, then you've just connected with someone who's at your table that you can now strike up a conversation with. Um, any other sort of like recommendations you have for specific places to dine for quick service as a solo traveler that you've experienced do really well for solo travelers um, or anything else with quick service dining you would recommend? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, so when I do solo trips, I almost never do table service restaurants. I always do quick service or or just snack carts. Um, I will make an exception for Nomad Lounge because I love that place so much. But um, for, for the most part, though, I'm, I'm as a solo traveler, I typically, a lot of the time, I'm, I just grab it and go and, and kind of eat while I'm walking around. I don't always sit down in the traditional seating areas of quick service. And, and part of that is, I don't have to hunt for a table, you know, I can just enjoy the sights and, and eat as I, as I go. Um, but yeah, I just quick service and snack carts are the way to go for me. I, there's less pressure of, of, uh, and this is probably my own, my own issue, but when I sit at a table service restaurant, I, I kind of feel guilty that I'm taking up a table when a server could have a larger group or, you know, potentially a larger tip. So, and I know that, they don't mind, of course, but part of me still thinks that. Um, so I avoid table service and and enjoy quick service. But um, but yeah, I, I would. My advice is if if you don't want to formally sit down in a in a table service or even just a quick service seating area, uh, just grab it and go. You know, go have yourself a, a picnic of of some kind, or even just walk and and enjoy it and enjoy the park while you're you know fueling up, but not spending a ton of time seated somewhere. Yeah, I totally <clears throat> understand that that aspect of it. And there are often times that especially if I'm I'm busy, like I know that I've got so much I want to get done in the park that I'm using that same exact strategy. Um, but I'm really glad you brought up Nomad Lounge because this was my my real sort of dining hack is to go to the lounge at a table service restaurant. Sometimes it's a um, sort of like a, a you join the wait list on the My Disney Experience app. Other times you just have to wait for an open seat. And more often than not, that they already have a seat open. Um, <clears throat> so even like if you want to dine at Topolino's Terrace for dinner, you're often looking at if you're not booking 60 days out, you're not getting that reservation. Um, but if you're a solo traveler, you could just pop on up to the top floor, Disney's Riviera Resort, and say you want to sit at the lounge. More often than not, there's that seat waiting for you. Um, and you could just go and sit down and they often serve, if not the entire menu from the restaurant, a, a sort of subset of the same exact food. In fact, Nomad Lounge is the lounge attached to Tiffin's, which not a lot of people think of, but that's, that's part of Tiffin's. Um, so they serve a lot of the same food that you would get at Tiffin's. Plus it's, it's kind of taken on its own life. So it does have a little bit of an, a, a different menu as well. Um, but just about anywhere that you go, you can find a lounge attached, even Boma and Jico, they have Victoria Falls Lounge. Um, we talk about Animal Kingdom Lodge. You could just pop up at that. That always has a spot available. Anytime I've gone to Boma or Jico, no matter how crazy busy those restaurants are, there is always a spot open at Victoria Lounge, um, Victoria Falls Lounge. And it's got that perfect scenic view looking down on Boma. Um, so you get that sort of like vibe of your dining with other people and sort of like eating in the restaurant area, eating very similar food from the menu. But uh, you've got that space waiting for you um coronado springs I, I love staying at coronado springs and if you want easy access to lounges there is a ton you've got dahlia lounge on the top floor barcelona lounge on the first floor 
Rick's Sports Bar Lounge over by the conference center. You have an outdoor lounge, sort of like an outdoor bar. Plus you have the Three Bridges restaurant with a lounge as well. So you have a ton, because that's a conference resort. So you really get a ton of places that you get the opportunity to just sort of like sneak in, grab a spot. As long as there's an empty seat, it's yours. Um, If you're an introvert, you can just hang out to yourself. If you're an extrovert, you've now got a whole bunch of people to strike up a conversation with. Um, So it's really great to be able to do that. Plus, I found that as a solo traveler, you can often get last minute reservations, um, especially now that Disney's operating within the two hour cancellation window, um, you know, with on Walt Disney World property, at least that you can easily, uh, you know, check a couple hours before, see if anyone's canceled for a, a reservation. And oftentimes you'll find a table for a party of one, even just a couple hours before and can get lucky and snag that spot at whatever restaurant you're looking at. Um, so lounges, I think, as a solo traveler, if you can swing it, if you have the time, um, that's really the way to go. Um, but I, I understand your point about, especially if you take up a table, like wanting to feel like maybe that could have been a larger table with a larger tip, but that feeling is kind of eliminated at a bar um, or a lounge because mm-hmm. it's one seat. Um, so no matter what, people can sit around you, which is great. Yeah, great point. Love, yeah, love the lounges, Nomad. Um, and like you said, at Animal Kingdom Lodge, you've got, you, you have lots of options. So lots to think about. A couple of uh, final th- questions. Um, resort days. So let's say that you're not going to the parks. And I know that, you know, you've mentioned a, a couple of great resort options as far as Boardwalk and Animal Kingdom Lodge in particular, um, having a lot of great things to do. So on a on a resort day, what would you recommend to someone who's looking to take a solo trip? Yeah, so so here's one thing that I knew was an option, but I never I never put two and two together. Um, and once I tried it out, it's it's kind of my go-to thing. But whenever I go to you know the resort's bar or lounge area, um, I'll I'll get a drink, of course, and enjoy enjoy the atmosphere. But then I I get a drink to go. Um, because you can take drinks and walk around property, you know, exception being Disney transportation and maybe a couple other locations. But for the most part, uh, you can wander the resort uh, with drink in hand and and just enjoy. It, to me, there's nothing more feeling like you're on vacation, just walking around with with a, a beverage in hand, whether it's, you know, a really good coffee drink or, or adult uh, alcoholic drink. But, but yeah, I just, I love... I love enjoying and, and getting to see the theming of a lot of the lounges and bars at the resorts, but then uh, kind of expanding that experience and taking that drink to go. And they're all, you know, all welcome to to make that drink and and take it in a plastic cup. So that's one thing I like to do. Definitely a great thing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really easy <clears throat> at a on a resort day to do a lot of different things. I mean. Disney Springs. We haven't spoken about Disney Springs. Great, great place to go as a as a solo traveler. Um, I don't know if you've if you've taken too many uh, solo trips over there. Yeah, there's there's so much at Disney Springs. I mean, I love I love, you know, Disneyland was my home park, and and downtown Disney there um, is what I remember the most. But now now here, living here and experiencing Disney Springs, it's it's massive. You know, it's a huge you know, shopping and dining and, and 
everything experience there. And so, yeah, you can easily, you know, spend all afternoon taking in everything. And, and even if you, if you don't want to shop or, or dine, you can just walk around and, and take in the sights. It's, it's one of the most, uh, beautiful outdoor shopping malls, if you want to call it that. So, um, yeah, that's a great idea of, of just hanging out at Disney Springs one afternoon. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it in hindsight, I almost wish I had thought about this in my, in my notes for this episode. <laughs> I would have entered this one sooner. This might be a, a great first day on a solo Disney trip because most of us are familiar with shopping by ourselves. Um, you know, we have to take a quick trip to run some errands or we head down to the mall and, and, you know, do some shopping for the holidays or for family. And so Disney Springs is a very easy way to get your feet wet into the Disney vibe, but also in a familiar way of just doing, you know, shopping by yourself. You have, you can just pick up, you know, from one of the the vendors there, you've got a couple of Starbucks locations, Joffrey's coffee, you've got, um, like the Wetzel pretzel locations. You have lots of different things you can enjoy. And then even the lounges that are there too. I mean, Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar is a great place. You could just grab a table and grab something to drink or something to eat. Um, same thing with the, most of the restaurants there have lounges there as well. So you can make it a very laid back, easygoing shopping day. And I feel like it, again, is a very familiar way for us, for a lot of people to, um, something that a lot of people do by themselves, um, at least one time or another. So very familiar territory to sort of ramp up into that that big park day by yourself. Um, but then there's also activities across the resort. I mean, <clears throat> if you're a golfer, you've got golf options at Disney. If you like to fish, you can fish at Disney. And that's sometimes a hobby that people have that they do by themselves. At home, they go fishing by themselves. And you can go fishing on Disney property as well. Um, you know, they've got walking trails. Uh, and, and that, you know, that, that's a free option Just take a walking trail is a very simple thing to do, but even like miniature golf, you could do a sort of around a miniature golf by yourself at Fantasia, um, mini golf or over at winter Summerland golf, at uh, next to blizzard beach. Um, so there's like, there's a lot of ways that you can fill a resort day with things to do. And even at your resort, they often do activities. If you're an extrovert, almost every single day in most resorts, they have some sort of group activity that's present, that's free. If it is extra, it's sometimes just like a minimal additional cost. And it's usually because you're like buying the merchandise that you're crafting um, throughout the experience. If you're making t-shirts or crafts, then you're you're pretty much just paying for that item um, as opposed to the, the experience. Uh, so there's like, there's, there's so many different things that you could do um, as an extrovert with a group or as an introvert by yourself across Disney property. Um, even like renting a boat just to go out on one of the water race uh, over at Seven Seas Lagoon or Bay Lake, um, or even the Sasagula River can um, rent out some some boats to go out there. So you can make it really your own kind of day and do your own thing and still have a really, um, a really relaxing and enjoyable solo travel day at, uh, at a resort. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if, if I go with a, a group, typically they don't want to hang out at the resort all day. They want to, you know, they want to go to the parks and ride as many rides as they can. So as a solo person, I can just, yeah, take in the resort, really, really feel like I'm on vacation and go poolside or or what have you. So yeah, take advantage of of being by yourself and, and relaxing at the resort. I'll add two more for you. If you really want to pamper yourself and have a little bit to splurge on a spa day is great. Um, or the, um, a cabana rental 
at uh, if you're staying at <clears throat> Disney's Yacht Club Resort or Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. Um, if you're already getting a little bit more bougie and staying at one of these deluxe properties, they're one of the two properties that have, oh, I'm sorry, and Beach Club. Um, they're one of the the two or three resorts that have cabana rentals available. Um, those, again, I highly recommend you got to book those 60 days out, um, especially if you're going during a peak time. But even off peak times, those cabanas go fast. So you can always get yourself a cabana rental at one of those places and get totally pampered with Disney snacks and your own dedicated cabana by the pool. Um, so you don't have to worry about scouting out a uh, a lounge chair around the pool, but you have your own dedicated space and you can rent by, I think, the half day or the full day um, at either one of those places. So if you really want to live it up, you can uh, <laughs> you could do one of those two <laughs> things um, and have a really sort of like pampering day at Disney by yourself. Yeah, there we go. That's a great idea. So I feel like we've covered a lot. And to be honest, there's there's more that we have in here. I mean, like I, I even have listed on my notes scavenger hunts. You can scavenger hunts at Disney are very cheap, um, like five, six bucks, depending on when you're what time of year you're going. And when you're listening to this episode, they may go up to like ten dollars to do a scavenger hunt, but a really fun, structured way to just, you know, gamify your day at the parks. Um, the games that come with uh the interactive experiences, I should say, that you can now use with Magic Band Plus. Um, great way to spend time sort of interacting in your own sort of game environments throughout the parks and make it an adventure um, rather than just trying to decide what you're going to do next, but have it a structured sort of um, game throughout the parks. Uh, so those were a couple of other notes I wanted to add that I wrote down in my my notes before this episode. But Stephen, is there any other advice that you feel like we missed in our discussion today that is helpful for anyone who might be taking a solo trip? You know, there is kind of a logistical thing that I wanted to mention, and that's yes. remember to pack what you think you'll need because you're the only person. You know, I'm I'm, I'm the type that, that goes to the parks and I hate carrying anything with me. So, you know, it's just easier and less stressful for me not to, you know, navigate the rides and and deal with a backpack or something. So if I'm by myself, I don't have that other person that, that brought everything in their bag. So um, yeah, just remember what are you going to be hauling around and and packing yourself that you that you would need. Um, maybe not packing as much as if you were with your whole family, but but keep that in mind. You might end up having to carry a bag that you normally would not. That's a very good point. Almost every time I'm having to bring a backpack with me <laughs> to the parks, um, which, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're by yourself, you're really you're responsible for carrying that backpack all day. You can't hold it up, hand it off to anybody else. <laughs> so I try when I can to pack lightly to the parks, but I like to bring my own fillable water bottle and umbrella in case it rains, especially in Walt Disney World. Um, so more often than not, I'm carrying a backpack with me, just trying to keep it a light backpack for travel. Um, and I'm sorry, there was one other question I wanted to ask. Length of the trip. So obviously, like one or two days, especially if you're attaching it to a conference. Um, a lot of people do that. A lot of people will ask me, like, hey, I'm going to work by myself to uh, to Orlando. Should I should I add on the weekends to go to Walt Disney World? My family can't join me. And I'll say, well, that's up to you and your family's dynamic. But if you can swing and your family's okay with it, it's really great to do that. And a couple of days is just a great way to get a little flavor of Disney as a solo traveler. Um, do you think there's a length of time that's too long 
by yourself. And this is so subjective. So it, someone might be saying there's no limit to this. But I guess for you personally, like as, as a personal subjective question, what do you think is like your personal limit for how long is if you're staying on property, like too many days by yourself? I'm starting to get a little lonely now. I really want my family with me. Right. Yeah, that's tricky. I, I Like you said, it could vary depending on the person. But I I personally wouldn't probably go more than four days. Um, and and I got to that number because I was thinking, oh, four, four theme parks, but not necessarily because there are four theme parks, but four days feels we're reaching the limit where, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I can, I'd like to go home. I miss my dogs kind of thing. That's, that's kind of where, where I would be feeling at that point. So um, anything more than that, eh, save it, save it for a group. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you're going to want to spend that much time with others. If you're planning a, you know, a bigger trip to Orlando area and, and want to tack on other activities too. So. Yeah. I, um, I, I I have a similar answer. I think mine is like four nights, so five days. I only say that because that was how long I was away from home for uh, the most recent memory I have, because I've not in the recent past taken that many solo trips, but D23 Expo, uh, that was sort of the that fifth day I was like ready to go home, um, and I was really glad I was going home that day. I even started feeling that the day before of just wanting to go home and see my daughter again. And, um, but I, to be honest, I felt that the second I left her, so, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it really, it's so subjective, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think four, four days for most people, four or five days is kind of where the, the fun of being in Disney by yourself starts to wane and be overpowered by missing whoever's back at home um including just your pets like i missed my cat too when i was at disney like <laughs> i just want to i want to go home and see my cat again uh so that's uh that's good but again like there's no there's no right or wrong answer i was just curious from a subjective point of view what you uh what you personally felt so honestly like uh, just i thought this is about kind of an hour conversation of really talking about a, a lot of the specifics and, and i'm hoping this has really helped people to convince them that a solo trip is worth taking, especially if it is sort of your your only option to go, no one in your family wants to go with you, or if you're able to to tag it onto a, a work trip of some kind, um, it can be a really enjoyable experience. Um, just keeping in mind some of these great benefits, things to look out for, and ways to make the trip a little bit easier for you. And Stephen, I want to personally thank you for joining as well. Really wonderful having you on the show. I want to make sure people know where to go to find you. So where can people find you online? Well, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so you can find uh, dintroverts.com as the website. And then I'm mostly active with uh, Instagram as the social media presence with the same um, at dintroverts. I will make sure to uh, include links to that in the description of this episode um but steven definitely a uh, great chatting with you and such a great uh conversation today and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime soon be great appreciate it thank you thank you
Welcome back to Imagination Central. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this discussion about solo trips to Walt Disney World, and I especially want to give a very special thank you to Stephen for joining me on this podcast discussion. You can follow him over at Dintroverts, and I would encourage you to definitely follow along on Instagram. As I mentioned at the beginning of this show, I've really enjoyed his Instagram content and encourage you to join him as well. Of course, I do want to turn this conversation over to you and ask if you have any other advice to offer for someone who is looking to take a trip to Walt Disney World by themselves. And if you have advice for anyone looking to take a trip to Disneyland or even Disney Cruise Line or other Disney destinations, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that topic too. Perhaps we'll do some future versions of this episode and talking about other Disney destinations. You could submit your answers and join the conversation by finding Imagination Skyway on your favorite social media channels. I've gone ahead and posted this question to most of those locations, especially on our Instagram page and our Facebook group. You can find those places over at imaginationskyway.com. I've got links for you over there, or of course, just search for Imagination Skyway on your favorite social media app, whichever it might be. If you're listening to the show, months or years later of course you can always just tag me in a post or reach out to me in a direct message i do read each and every direct message that comes through and answer them personally so you can absolutely reach out to me or send me an email at matt at imagineerpodcast.com i know it's an old podcast name but i wanted to keep the same email to make things a little bit easy for people so matt at imagineerpodcast.com or find imagination skyway on your favorite social media channel If you don't already subscribe to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on iHeartMedia, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, or any other podcast app so that you never miss an episode of the show and you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. If you have a moment to leave a rating and a review in that podcast app, I of course, appreciate that. It goes a long way to help this podcast out, especially if you are listening in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify, leaving us a rating and perhaps even a review in those podcast communities goes a long way to help the show out. And if you would like to take your love of Imagination Skyway to the next level, I would encourage you to join our Patreon group over at, you can learn more at imaginationskyway.com slash community. Our Patreon group is a way that you can actually like literally help keep the lights on for Imagination Skyway, help us developing podcast episodes and getting new content for you. And in return, you get access to a suite of different uh, benefits and extra bonus content. You get access to a private Facebook group, bonus posts in our Patreon community, uh, weekly Disney Plus watch parties that we just have a lot of fun um, watching a Disney movie together and talking about the movie as we watch it. Uh, we get bonus podcast episodes, binaural streamable audio that you can listen to, or streamable binaural audio that you can listen to from some of my trips uh, that I've recorded at Walt Disney World and at Disneyland and just a lot more. These terms and conditions are subject to change depending on when you're listening to the show. So again, the easiest way to learn a little bit more is by heading to our Patreon group directly. Um, And you can learn more again over at imaginationskyway.com slash community. And when you're ready to book a trip to Disney, perhaps you're ready to take that solo trip, I would encourage you to arrange that with our recommended and sponsored 
travel provider who is Magical Park Vacations. As with most travel agencies, this is a complimentary service that can help to take care of all the details in planning and booking your Disney vacation, especially if you want some extra advice on planning a solo trip. They have a lot of experience doing this. The travel agents themselves often take a lot of solo trips for work, um, so they can offer some really great advice for you. So you can reach out to them over at MagicalParkVacations.com and on social media at Magical Park Vacations. And I would recommend also working with their sister company, the Park Planners, who are a concierge planning team that do more than just plan and book the basic blueprints um, and some of the reservations for your vacation, but we'll take that a step further, have a meeting with you to discuss what you're looking to accomplish on that vacation and come up with a, a real like game day itinerary plan filled with detail and information to help you to make the most of your time and they adapt on the spot so if you ever have a question that comes up during your vacation if plans change you can reach out to your concierge planner directly um, these often provide their their cell number and their email so you can text or call or email um, and they'll make adjustments for you like on the back end it's just such a great way to sort of offload some of the decision making and the stress of the Disney planning that comes with a Disney vacation. And you can learn more about them at the Park Planners on social media or online at theparkplanners.com. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go after your hopes and dreams and goals, whatever they might be. A theme for me this month is that life is way too short not to go after the things in life that you truly want to do. If you can make smart choices and go after the things that you truly want in life, you'll go far. And I want you to remember as always um, to just go after whatever you've been dreaming of doing. And if it's that solo trip, if, if no one else wants to go to Disney with you, but you really want to take that Disney trip, go take that Disney trip. Don't let anybody stop you. Thank you so much for riding aboard Imagination Skyway. And remember, if we can dream it, we can do it. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove, waiting to board. Sit closer together and keep your ruddy hands inboard. That be the best way to repel borders. And mark well me words, mateys. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> Disney Cruise is no ordinary vacation. It's an adventure, a fairy tale, a dream. Step aboard and discover where favorite Disney characters meet fun for the whole family, where total rest and relaxation meet the ultimate escape and excitement, where a dream vacation meets a magical cruise. Only on Disney Cruise Line, where magic meets the sea. Contact Magical Park Vacations to book your next Disney Cruise today. Visit MagicalParkVacations.com.